Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. No, 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 no. It's with me, Matt O'Han. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Tony Marinero is out, Matt O'Han, the Hebrew Hammer is in. Welcome, everyone, to your Friday edition of The Sick Podcast. First things first, we're going to take care of some business. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. They are a full-leading logistics provider serving all of North America, energy transportation driven to be different. And 8.6 beer, intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. Also brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time to you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. All right. So a couple things before we get to our first guest, uh, Stu Cowan. Uh, you'll notice I'm wearing a different Bengals jersey than I was wearing last week. No, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, it is not the Sam Hubbard jersey that I had ordered. And that's because uh, well, obviously, for those of you who watch the game or watch the highlights, Sam Hubbard scored a 98-yard return touchdown, 14-point swing that ultimately sent the Bengals onto the division round. This is my Evan McPherson jersey, the kicker for the Bengals. Why do I have a kicker jersey? Well, I'll take you back, and this is going to pain and yellow and Sammy. I'm not doing this on purpose. Uh, but the story behind this jersey is last year in the divisional round of the playoffs, the Bengals were heading over to Tennessee to play the Titans, who and yellow and Sammy are big, big fans of. And uh, you know, the Bengals offense just couldn't get anything going. Burrow got sacked nine times in the game, and you know, just uh, Evan McPherson was doing his thing. I think he kicked like four field goals during that game. So I tweeted at one point, uh, you know, if the Bengals win this game, I will buy an Evan McPherson jersey. Well, they won the game and uh, I'm a man of my word. So uh, I did not say I would buy a Sam Hubbard jersey. I just did that in the heat of the moment. Uh, and on top of it, I stress bought a Bengals hoodie before the game last week. Even, well, even though it was against the Ravens, every playoff game is 
stressful. All right, enough about football for now. We're going to get to that a little later. But right now, we're going to talk about the Habs. And we bring in from the Montreal Gazette, Mr. Stu Cowan. Stu, how are you? I'm doing well, very well. I imagine you're the only person in Montreal who has that Bengals jersey. <laughs> yeah, this one specifically, I would imagine that would be the case. It's funny. I, I wore this jersey uh, Super Bowl weekend. I was in Vermont last year, and I and I got it by then. So I was walking around with it, and you know, I ha- everyone when I'm wearing a jacket, it's covered, and they see Bengals, they go, "Oh, is that a? It's a nice Joe Burrow jersey you got." And I just pull it down. I go, that's not number nine. That's number two, baby. Uh, so, yeah, I probably am. But, hey, uh, maybe we could get uh, we could get one over to Nick Suzuki and Brendan Gallagher, noted Cincinnati Bengals yeah. fans uh, on the Montreal Canadiens. All right. So, let you know what, Stu? We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to pick off where we left off last week because uh, the Journal de Montréal came out with their uh, latest edition and just mm-hmm. really – I don't know if we have the screenshot, uh, Sammy, and in yellow, but – uh, there it is. Okay, perfect. Loin des 10 millions premiers. Uh, it's just, I find this just such an unnecessary shot. And I know you're going to agree with me. It's just, you know what? I'll let you take it. I'll let you take it. This is just, I I, I can't even put it into words. Go I ahead. don't see how, PK's raised 6.3 million. I don't see how you, uh, I, I can't understand how they somehow try and turn that into a negative. Far from his goal of 10 million. Well, when he met, set the goal of 10 million, he didn't expect to be traded from Montreal. <laughs> the fact that he continued to keep his commitment to the children's hospital is commendable. Uh, not only was he not in Montreal, there was COVID also, which you know made it difficult for fundraising of any kind. But I mean, if PK had stayed in Montreal and not been traded, I think the 10 million goal would have been easily reached. But it's hard to fundraise for a Montreal charity when you're living in Nashville or you're living in New Jersey. And it's sort of, I would say it's shocking, but with the Journal de Montréal, it's not really shocking, sadly, that they would try and spin a negative, a positive story into something negative like that about PK. And it's just, it's too bad. I mean, it's, it's, I'd like to know the thinking or, or the, what went on in their newsroom meeting with their editor and the, the decision to made to put that on the front page, obviously, you know, it's a shock type of thing, but uh, I know I looked this morning, I was reading the comments on the journal website and they were not good. I think they actually turned off the comments. So even their readers were pretty upset with it. It was especially after the night at the bell center honoring PK and him bringing out the little girl Mila from uh, the children's hospital. I imagine, like, I can only imagine that the people at the children's hospital thought today, because I've spoken to many people at the children's hospital run that charity. I've spoken to doctors there and nurses there during Canadians Christmas visits when PK was still on the t- with the team. They love the guy. They love everything he's done for the hospital, all the publicity he gets. And I think I might have mentioned last time I was on you, you know, I shake my head when people criticize him for so publicly endorsing the children's hospital, like it's a bad thing. Uh, meanwhile, you have Wayne Gretzky and others promoting a gambling website at the same time. It, it's, I just, I don't, I don't get all why, certain members of the media and certain Canadians fans have to try and find the negative out of everything PK does. I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's too bad. It's really sad. And you know what? It's just, you would think, and I understand that he's a very polarizing figure, mm-hmm. but you would think that the one thing that's really not up for debate is, you know, forget the theories of why people may have thought he he made that pledge of ten million dollars, mm-hmm. but like 
who cares? He made the pledge. He still donated $6.3 million now. Well, well, the thing is he didn't donate. And people get upset and they say, oh, PK says he donated. He never said. He said he was going exactly. to – he was going to – he pledged to help the Montreal Children's Hospital raise $10 million. And at the end of the day, the Children's Hospital has $6 million that it probably wouldn't have had without PK's help. Some of it they might have had anyway. Some people might have donated. But the fact that he promotes that charity so heavily, and I've spoken with people at Children's Hospital Charity about this, and you know they'll tell you that there's a lot of athletes who do stuff quietly behind the scenes. They don't they donate to the hospitals or they do stuff they don't want it to be known, and that's fine. That's that's their right if they want to do it quietly like that. But the Children's Hospital and any other charity that you talk to would much prefer that the athletes were very public about it and very out in the open and promoted the fact that they're helping these hospital or whatever charity it might be because it encourages other people to donate. I mean, I wonder how many people, I mean, we know six, how many people see PK at the children's hospital and say, yeah, I'm, you know, you're writing your check for charities or whatever. And you say, yeah, the children's hospital. I remember that PK is part of that. And they're, so that's what it's about. And you know, it's, why don't more athletes do it then? Like, why don't more athletes mm -hmm. say, I'm going to help this charity raise this much money. Um, and, and why aren't more athletes public about it, that they're, they're going to do it? Um, you know, Jonathan Drouin, when he signed his contract with the Canes, was right, he was public. He did something for the Shum Hospital. And, but, I mean, it's people who criticize PK. To me, my question is, why don't more athletes do stuff like this? You know, it's, it's – yeah. uh, And I know a lot of them do it privately, and that's fine. I mean, if people want to be private about it, whatever it is, that's fine. But, again – Charities would much prefer that these guys were um, did more to promote the charities that they help because it'll encourage other people to donate to those charities too. So I saw that thing and I sort of shook my head and I was like, really? But no. Well, that's it. And and I went there too. I was just like, really? You you you're talking about the Canadians, and you know you can't think of just literally anything else to say. Like you want to be negative. Sure. Be negative. The team is. And it's fun. They make right it now. front page news too. It's the front page. Yeah, but that's page. it. I mean, like, come on, man. The guy left the city. What was it? Five, six years ago already at this point. Like, I mean, far from his goal. Again, when he came up with that pledge, he didn't think he was going to get, I think it was like a year, the year later he got traded. Yeah, so exactly. You know, if, if PK had been in and around Montreal and still playing for the Canadians and at the Children's Hospital as much as he would have been if he was still in Montreal, I mean, it's commendable that that he, he he continued his pledge. And then he went when he went to Nashville, he started another program there, the Blue Line Buddies, where he had uh, a police officer go to a game with a kid from a disadvantaged neighborhood in Nashville to try and bridge or create a bridge with those communities. And he carried that into New Jersey. So it's you know, people say it's all about PK, and there's no doubt PK does like to promote himself, and he does like to promote his brand. And there's what he did with the Children's Hospital help promote himself and help promote his brand. Of course, it does, but it helps promote the Montreal Children's Hospital. And it brings a lot of money there. And you know, I've been at the Montreal Children's Hospital when PK was still with the Canadians, and they made their annual Christmas visit, and he lit up a room like nobody else could when he was in there. And I remember talking with not only parents of kids, but doctors and nurses and, and just talking about what a, a spark he brought every time he came to the hospital and how much everybody there loved him. And uh, it's sad to see that somebody, a, a newspaper like the Journal de Montréal would decide to turn what is a positive into a negative, you know, he wasn't in Montreal. <laughs> he wasn't. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. The goal he set 
He never expected he was going to be traded to another city and not be in Montreal and not be around the city. I mean, a, a few uh, uh, dinners or golf tournaments for the PK Foundation in Montreal that he would have been able to attend if he was in Montreal, mm-hmm. stuff like that would have got a long way. And also there was COVID. So anyway, it's 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 sad. It looks really bad on the Journal de Montreal. And as I said, even the comments from their readers on their website today were not – I don't think I saw anything that was like uh, – positive about what they had done um so i wonder in hindsight if maybe they regret it but they got attention for it so that's probably what they were looking for and they they got that yeah and uh you know we'll we'll leave it at that just uh it's it's you know you said it best it's it's just sad the one word that encompasses mm-hmm. it is that it's sad anyways and, and especially i mean when we saw we saw how much much rollers still love pk that the other at the bell center I mean, well, I was at the game. I was Montreal love the guy. It, it's well, that's it. I was at well, the game I on Thursday night. 95% of the people in Montreal love the guy. There's, there exactly. are so there you people go. who don't. Yeah. Well, there you go. And, and, you know, I was at the game on Thursday night, and, you know, I had noticed the guy left the city again six, five, six years ago. I noticed I didn't venture out much into the Bell Center, into the hallways. I noticed like five or six PK jerseys just around me. Well, so, you'll see the, you there's more PK Subban jerseys. When I go on the road with the Canes, you see a lot of Canes fans. You'll see more PK Subban. The only guy you might see more than PK now is you see a lot of Suzuki sweaters and more and more off-field sweaters. But apart from that, PK sweaters are still – you see more of those around than just about anybody else who's playing for the Canadians now. Yeah, and there you go. And now that he's uh, retired, maybe uh, people are going to do the old throwback thing because that's mm. something I never got around to do. I always wanted to get a uh, Saku Koivu jersey, but I felt like it would just feel a little unnatural with the way the new jersey looks and when when he played here. I've um, always said people buying a jersey, the best thing to do is buy like a put Lafleur or Beliveau or something yeah, like that. So, one exactly. of the legends on your sweater. You know, you go buy a brand new sweater for a guy and then he gets traded the next year and you're like, man. Yeah, well, that's it. So they uh, had a Camilleri sweater on. I hadn't seen one oh, of those listen, in a while. Listen, I have a Mike Camilleri sweater hanging in my closet right over there. Mm-hmm. And I also, my this is the best thing ever. Uh, the first jersey I ever put a name on the back of was, uh, he was my favorite player at the time. It was Guillaume Latendresse. <laughs> and I have that jersey. I still have it. And I, hey, yeah. listen, I wear it. I checked into a hotel in Minnesota when the Habs were there. This was just before COVID. And the guy working behind the, the cash had a Minnesota Wild Latin dress sweater. That's awesome. And I said, don't where'd that's you awesome. got that? He, got, he actually got it at a thrift store, he told me. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. All right. So let, let's get let's get to the on-the-ice action, and then we're going to revisit uh, Kent Hughes' press conference a little mm-hmm. bit. So we'll, we'll we'll start with the with the first game of the week. Uh, I know they played on the weekend, and they, you know, they, they split the series in New York. They lost against the Islanders, beat the Rangers. Uh, but we're going to start against the Winnipeg Jets because, to me – that was the first time after the uh, – it was after the P.K. Subban night that I felt – it was their first time back in Montreal after yeah. after that. Um, and when Arbor Jack I said, you know, now we're going to play for – we play for the logo on the front. Mm-hmm. That was the first game really all season where I was dis- – I really couldn't – care less especially with the way things have been going as of late i couldn't care less about the result it was very evident that they had a wake-up call and they brought it that night they did they there's no doubt that they got a spark from that pk suban night the reception there and the guys talked about it and as you said arbor jack i said you know we're playing for the crest on the front we're playing for the city of montreal now they really they came out and they played a really solid game it was arguably their best game of the season 
Um, unfortunately, you know, when they put the blue sweaters back on, it sort of fell apart. But, but uh, yeah, they, they they got a spark and they they came out. They played really well. Sam Montembeau played well. It was a, it was a real team effort. And it, you know, the game with you know there were eleven forwards. So there's so many injuries. You know, there were so many injuries. It was one of those games that if if there was ever a game that you figured, okay, this is the Canes are going to get smoked tonight. That was one of them. You know, they're playing the Jets. The Jets were on a roll. I think they were eight and one in their last nine games. Uh, the Canes are missing half the team. You know, they're addressing seven uh, defensemen, 11 forwards. And they came out and they played really well. And, and like guys like Dadenov and guys that you wouldn't expect uh, really stepped up and played well. So it was a real a real good game for the Canes. And it showed that they had that meeting at the end of the first half talking about their goals for the second half. And uh, we yeah. saw that in that game for sure. There's the, 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 the team playing as a team. Like everybody was pulling their weight that night. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, it's it's funny because I was thinking even as I was looking down the uh, the injury report, just as I got on, I go, my God, they got one more injury. They might they might give you a call. They might well, they might, I mean, they're getting they're getting pretty <laughs> desperate. I mean, the reason they have there's just they don't the reason they have 11 forwards is they don't have anybody else to call up. You know, they're sort of it's 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 gotten uh, it's really gotten to the point that it's quite ridiculous. And then you know, Kirby Doc didn't practice today. He took a therapy day, so now he's banged up in some way. It's just mm. it's just nuts. It's one thing after another with this team all year. Well, you know, and uh, you know, it, it leads me to the to the question because you know, of course, it happened last year. There was just a ton of injuries, but you know, there was a combination of COVID in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the game that comes to mind was the game uh, right before the Christmas or COVID break that they took. Uh, it was against Florida, against the Florida yeah. Panthers. I, they dressed one less player than they could have. Yeah, and they only had like but, six. They had half of the Laval Rocket playing for the Canes. Exactly. Game. So, so other than that really stretch of COVID. Have you, have you ever seen a Canadians team with injury luck like this bad? They've had injury, bad injury luck. I can't remember if it was, if there was a few seasons ago, I think they had set an NHL record actually for man games lost. But for this one, it's just, it, it's so many of their key players. You know, they're, they're losing all their veteran guys. And now, you know, get Slavkovsky's out now for three months. And, and, you know, it's just one guy after another. It's, it's a lot of them are just sort of bad luck, but they've also had guys come back and, that were like Brendan Gallagher came back, played a couple of games, got hurt again. Mike mm-hmm. Matheson came back, played a couple of games, got hurt again. So that's a concern. And, and uh, Kent Hughes was asked about that during his news conference. If that's something on the medical staff where you have guys coming back from an injury and then going back out again with that injury pretty soon afterwards. So those are more concerning. But a lot of them, like with Monaghan, it seems to be that he had got a shot. Uh, Gallagher it seems to be a high ankle sprain. That's one of the sort of things that happened. In hockey, I saw Gallagher after the game last night. I was talking to him a little bit, and as he said, you know, I feel I know how hard you worked all off season to come back. This is great. He said it's part of the job, and it is part of the job. I mean, injuries come with uh, uh, with the NH playing in the NHL, and the Canes have been uh, they've been unfortunate or unlucky, whichever way you want to look at it this season with a lot of these injuries. Well, well, that's it, and you know that kind of caught up to them really last night. I found, uh, you know, it seemed like while they were. They they fell behind at one point, but then the disallowed like the goal that Matthew yeah. Kachuk scored. I mean, how that exactly? It's just like we could go in circles with this thing because it happens every few games. It's just ridiculous. When it happened, I tweeted out, "I'm pretty sure that's goalie interference." But at this point, I have no idea what is or isn't goalie interference. And sure enough, they said it wasn't goalie interference to me. It was like a textbook. Like that's textbook. Doesn't get clearer I, than that. But they're saying that. He wouldn't have been able to make the save anyway. And I'm like, 
so now is goalie interference going to be like, is it going to be judged on how good the goalie is too? Like if it's a really good goalie, well, he probably would have made the save, but the, it's just the guy's standing in the crease. He made no effort to get out of the way. The goalie couldn't get back to make the save. And it, it seemed just, but nothing seems textbook in the NHL. With well, that's it. I mean, as I say, every time there's a goalie interference call, I say somebody in Toronto is flipping a coin and it's like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And tonight or tomorrow night, we'll see the exact same play almost exact same play happened and it'll go the other way and you know Arpin Basu asked uh, Marty St. Louis after the game last night do you have any clear idea of what goalie interference is and he laughed and said that's a trick question and just the night before Paul Maurice had been fined $25,000 so Marty was very careful in his comments last night about what he said but it was a joke I mean how it, it's just gotten to the point that last night the refereeing was so bad. Like how Mike Matheson didn't get an interference penalty, a major interference penalty for that reverse hit on Eric Stahl. I mean, that was that was a, that was a dirty play. Um, yeah. No penalty call. Today he gets fined $5,000. Like how did two referees on the ice miss that? And that led to so much more because now the Florida guys are taking runs at Matheson. The game gets chippy. Jack guy gets checked from behind into the boards. It's an obviously hit from behind. Should be a penalty. No mm-hmm. penalty called. Now he's upset. It was just a horrible, horrible. There's a lot of bad nights for NHL officiating and video reviews, but last night was was one of the worst. I mean, that was that was just it was just embarrassing for if I was commissioner of the if I was Gary Bettman, I'd look at that. That's embarrassing. Like it's nobody. And I've tweeted this many times. To me, just get rid of video review. Live with the calls on the ice. Just live with the call on the ice. The referees are going to screw up. But at least if they screw up, you have the excuse, well, it happened quick. They made their judgment. It's just a judgment call. But now they go to video review and stuff that seems obvious isn't obvious. And it just makes – it's just to me, it, it's just made it worse. It's more confusing. Nobody knows what goalie interference is or isn't. I had a lot of people tweeting, well, if that was Brendan Gallagher, it definitely would have been goalie interference. And they're probably right because every time Brendan Gallagher is involved in a goalie interference call, it goes against them. So it's just mm. – it, it, it just makes absolutely no sense to me that, that – to me, I just say go back to the calls on the ice. The referees are going to screw up uh, once in a while. Say so that I think to me, the only thing video review should be used for is if the puck crossed the goal line or not for a goal. Because even offside now, we don't even know what offside is now after the oh man, I mean, where the, the guy didn't have control of the puck because the puck wasn't actually touching the blade of his stick, even though he had carried the puck all the way from his own. Like it's yeah. it's become a total joke. Well, well, that's the thing, and and you know, it's it's tough. It's really tough because you you bring up the idea of taking away uh, the the video review, but you kind of open Pandora's box. And and I listened to an mm-hmm. interesting podcast about this uh, a couple. It was a, it's actually been a couple of years at this point because the NBA has had video review for everything. Like if mm-hmm. you remember when the Raptors were in the uh, were in the the NBA Finals and they beat Golden State and the the game that they won mm-hmm. the championship, that was the most you know, like anticlimactic ending to a championship game of all time because they just have to keep going to video review because, mm. oh, was this a foul? Was this? Yeah. And that's the, that's the issue when you, when you implement video review. However, I will say that's doing it the right way because you got to do it for everything. You can't pick and choose yeah. because when you have all the technology available to you and you're just not using it to your advantage, yeah, it, it just it, it boggles it boggles the mind a little bit. Um, but the NBA, I mean, uh, I don't watch nearly as much NBA as I watch NHL. But at the NBA, the games they seem to be more consistent in their calls. I mean, in the NBA, the referees like a, a charge 
or a block in the first quarter. Right. It's the same yes. call in the fourth. It's only in the NHL where the rules change depending on the score, depending if it's the playoffs or not, depending what period it yeah. is. It's like they they make it up as they go along. And that video review call was a case of just making it up. Like it was such a textbook ruling interference. I'm still I, <laughs> I know today. it's crazy. And then you know I tweeted out a picture. Arpin did a good story on the Athletic today about it. And he, he got a screen grab of. And, and you look at I tweeted it out earlier tonight, and you look like, how is that not goalie interference? Like, you, <laughs> you see, and if that's so, if, if the NHL was consistent, which they won't be, and I'm coaching the NHL, I'm having one of my forwards just stand in the blue paint when the puck's in the offensive zone. Don't move, just stand there. Because well, if, that's it. You know, the you, puck goes in, said, and they rule while the goalie wasn't good enough; he wasn't going to make that save. Then the goal's going to count. Well, that's it. You you said like the goalie's not that good enough to make that save. Okay. Counterpoint is that last night it was Alex Lyon. Now, all due respect to Alex Lyon, he's not exactly known to be an all-star goalie in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So Cole Caulfield gets robbed twice. Twice. I think it was mm-hmm. in the second period. Yeah. And just what happens if Nick Suzuki is or Kirby Doc is standing right in front of the net, blocks his path to the net? Oh, well, yeah. she's not gonna make that save anyways. Yep. Like, what what, 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 are, we, what are we doing here? I know. That's it's, it's insanity. It's, it's, it's just video review is just a, in the NHL is just a total joke. It's, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I was saying, you know, the Harpin mentioned last night, he said, you know, the referee should have to be made available for interviews after a game on nights like that when I've they're been so saying bad. That for years. And I've always said, I was saying, you know, they should also put like a camera and a mic in the video review room to see, like, okay, let's hear, how did these guys actually think that wasn't goalie <laughs> interference? Like, what was the conversation? that went on that they decided that wasn't goalie interference. Uh, it's, well, it's, that's it. Cause it also took quite a while to give it to reach well, that yeah, decision. It, you know? it, it t- I know it took that. Cause I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's one guy going, oh, that's goalie interference. And the other guy goes, no, no, no. Because you know, he wasn't, maybe he wasn't going to make this. It's whatever. It's, it's anyways, let, let's, let's get to some of the highlights of uh, now that we dealt with on the ice, let's get to some of the highlights from uh, Kent Hughes's uh, press conference on Wednesday. So, um, Something I found really interesting was, you know, you already mentioned one of them was, uh, you know, protecting players from themselves coming back from injury too early. Um, I think they've learned their lesson on mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was kind of dire straits for them and they, they may have kind of needed it now. But uh, mm-hmm. anyways, but um, something I found really interesting was uh, two things and they kind of go together, which one of them was the Kent Hughes when he was asked about tanking. He said, I can't put a team on the ice that has no accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that if, you know, they, they always, you're never going to, a coach will never tell his players to go out there and, and lose. That's not going to happen. But no. a GM can put his team in a position that you go out and play your best, but he knows what he's doing in that they're going to lose. So, with the way it's going right now, all the injuries and you're expecting even more of a slide because just, just because of the lack mm-hmm. of bodies that are in the locker room right mm-hmm. now, you think that you could see the Canadians doing that uh, come closer and closer to deadline, or is it more of a matter of we need players to ice a team. So we literally cannot do that. No, I mean the, some key guys are going to get traded before the deadline. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Monahan, if he comes back and he's healthy, he's gone. Joel Edmondson could be gone. Josh Anderson could be gone. David Savard could be gone. I mean, they could lose a lot of key guys. They're, they're going to be a worse team after the trade deadline than they are before just because they're going to be losing bodies. And what they're going to get returned are either draft picks or young prospects. That's how they're building this team. They're not looking to bring in a veteran guy who's going to help them win more games. So it's not it's not tank. And, and you no, know, Hughes had an interesting thing on Wednesday when he talked about, you know, there's 
he had a conversation with Marty where wins are good to a certain point, but then maybe they're not, and losses are good, and maybe they're not, <laughs> type of thing. And and Marty sort of made it a little yesterday he was talking about it, he said, you know, we want to win, but it's not our number one priority. Our number one priority is to develop the young players. Mm-hmm. So if it's a situation where I might have a better chance to win if I put out the veteran guys in in a certain situation, that might help me win. But we want to get experience for Slavkovsky or whatever. They're going to go with the youth. So that's they're, they're, they've been very clear that development is their number one priority right now. And then as St. Louis said, if we're in the third period, it's a close game, then that might change a bit because you want to give the guy – players want to win. I mean, players – Oh, yeah, of course. Players don't, the guys on the team now don't care about the Canadians four years from now because most of them won't be here, you know, unless you're Suzuki or Caulfield or the young guys. They want to play well because they want new contracts. Their their performance is how much money they're going to make in the future. So players will never go out the tank. Uh, players want, players are going to play hard. Um, but when you don't have that many good players to put on the ice, the odds of you losing are better. And the Canes aren't going to have – they're going to have fewer good players to put on the ice after the trade deadline once they start moving some guys out. So it's just a, a – you know, and as, also as Hugh said, you know, you can't let that added – you're going to – as he said, you're going to lose the room – if you just only play the kids and don't care at all about winning type of thing. So it's a, it's a juggling act. Cause he, the word Hughes kept using was balance. He used it. I don't know how many times uh, during that news conference. He's trying to balance everything. You're trying to balance developing players. You're trying to develop balance, trying to win games. You're trying to balance looking to the future. You're trying to balance looking to the present. Rebuilding isn't easy. And there's a lot of balls you got to juggle and he's juggling them, but you know, their number one priority is developing the young guys um and if they can win great but uh the odds of them winning are going to get lower as the season goes on and, and the injuries have sort of helped that as, as far as the Connor Bedard sweepstakes these injuries have helped because they've lost so many guys that sort of happened naturally but um you know they're going to be in the sweepstakes for for Connor Bedard at the end of the season one way or the other and there's no guarantee even if you finish last that you're going to get it. I mean the Kings aren't going to finish last mm-hmm. or something are just dreadful out there like Chicago um, but they'll have a chance and and the thing is too it's also a, you're putting a product on the ice and and you're still selling tickets and you still need to try and entertain people and Joel Edmondson said that after the game last night he said we were so bad in the second period the third period you know people pay a lot of money to come and see us we had to show that you know we're, we're still fighting we still care we're still out there doing that um, and then you know there's been a lot of empty seats at the Bell Center this season even though they announced them as yeah. sellouts a lot of people with season tickets who buy season tickets hoping to resell them and make some money back are obviously having a hard time doing that. Um, so it's a lot of it's ba- a lot of balances, as you know, Kent Hughes said. But uh, um, you know, as it moving forward, as I said, after the trade deadline, it's going to be, become more difficult for the Canadians to win games. Yeah, I, I completely agree um, because it, it's just a matter of, you know, it takes me back to when we would always talk, when are the wheels going to fall off? When are the wheels going to fall mm-hmm. off? Well, when's the shoe When's the shoe going to drop for a trade? I feel yeah. like I, I read this on Twitter. I don't know who tweeted it out, but it was a conversation between a reporter and a GM. And the GM basically said that with the way that the cap is just structured right now and all the injuries that teams are facing and with the call-ups and whatnot mm-hmm. – it's just so hard to make trades right now, like harder than usual. So that's why I feel like we're seeing no trades. But the I mean, NHL revolves around the salary cap, just the way Gary Bettman and the owners wanted it. It's all everything is about the salary cap now. That's why every team has a GM or an assistant GM whose only job, you know, Cedric with the A's, his only job is basically to watch the salary cap and handle it. And you see all the juggling acts like you know, Monaghan was put on long term injured reserve retroactive to December 6th. That's a side. It's all 
everything is a salary cap move and it's made it for fans are sort of paying the price now because you know there should be trades happening and they're not happening it's, it's all about and the late uh, the later in the season the less salary comes back right on a trade so that factors yeah. into it so it's it's really difficult to make trades right now if there's money coming in money's got to go out um you know that's how the canes ended up with that now because you know they got rid of uh, Weber's contract, you got to take yeah, something true. for us. And and every team now has guys on long-term injured reserve. And it's just the, it's the cap, the cap runs the NHL. And you can make an argument that the cap is ruining the NHL from a fan's perspective, just because there's, you can't make any trades. You can't do, uh, there, you know, there's bad contracts out there. I mean, the Kings are lucky they got out from under Shea Weber's final four years of the contract. They're lucky in a way. I mean, Carey Price, if, if Carey Price was still playing, he wasn't the goal he used to be, right? And he's injury yeah. prone, and he's ten still ten million dollars on the cap. So it's uh, the cap is everything now in the NHL. So two more things I want to get to uh, before we say goodbye uh, is you know one of them is is something that when he was asked about Cole Caulfield's. Uh, contract negotiations. I really liked what he had to say in that, uh, you know, he'll be transparent on a lot of things, mm -hmm. but contract negotiations, especially him as it, as an agent uh, in his former life, that's something that just, you got to respect the client in this, in this, mm -hmm. in this case, your employee, because he's the GM. Um, so I really like that. Uh, however, I will say that uh, Darren Dreger did say that uh, a seven times seven, deal for Cole Caulfield won't do it so mm -hmm. how, how I mean from anything you've heard it could be speculation it could be a little bit of in the know uh, I'm interested to get your take either way how far do you think these two sides are I think it's just maneuvering right now both ways. I mean, it's it's. Hugh said he doesn't want to talk about it because it just leads to speculation. He said it becomes a distraction to the player. It can become a distraction to the team. But he also said, like, once the contract is done with Cole, he'd be more than willing to answer questions about the process that they went through to get to that. That's fair. I mean, that's yeah. from a GM, that's fair. Uh, we spoke with Cole today after practice, and he said, yeah, it is in the back of his mind. It has to be in the back of his mind. You know, he's wondering, he's going to make a lot of money. Uh, oh, yeah, big time. And he's only you know 22 years old. It's a, it's a question of, uh, you know, he was even asked, you know, is it is it are you looking for term or is it more about the annual salary or? And he said, I'm not even you know his, his agent is my agent's deal with that. I don't really think about that stuff. But he wants to stay in Montreal. He likes it here. Yeah. The Canes want to keep him here. And it's a case of, I mean, it's very similar to what we were talking about PK earlier. We went back to the contract negotiations with PK, and PK decided to. Uh, you know, take bet on himself and sign that sort of bridge deal and end up working well for him. He made a lot of money in the next contract. And it's a little bit of that too. The Canes, do they want to give him more than what Suzuki's getting at 7.8 a year? Uh, willing to go above that. Um, does Cole want to sign eight years or does he want to sign a shorter term thinking if he, the cap's going to go up and if he can score 50 goals for a couple of years and three years from now with the cap going up, he's going to get a lot more money. Then you got to weigh in the security of having a long-term contract at 22. Uh, you know, as I've said, if, if you're making $49 million or $56 million, does your life really change that much? And that's, you know, that's guaranteed money. Cole's not a big kid. There's a chance of getting injured. You know, sign a two-year deal, you get hurt. So there's so many things going on. Um, I'm sure they're going to get it settled. 
you know, Kent Hughes is a smart guy. He knows how it works from both sides. I'm sure they want to be very fair with Cole. They want him to be happy here. Uh, I'd asked Cole today, I said, if you ask for any uh, advice from Nick Suzuki, who's gone through a contract negotiation before, he says, not really. He says, he just told me that he wants me to get it done. You know, he wants yeah. Cole here and, and, and stay with him. So I, I think it'll get done probably after the trade deadline. I think it'll be because Kent Hughes will have a better idea of, of what he's yeah. working with moving forward and what contracts he, he's dealing with. And, you know, I think the Canes would like to sign him eight years like they did with Suzuki and lock him up and have him locked in, have those two guys locked in. But does Cole, as I said, want to gamble on himself a little bit like with PK and figure he can make more money going forward. So it's, there's a lot of things going on with it. Um We'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm sure Cole Coffin, we're not going to have a KK situation where there, it gets to the point where he gets an offer sheet from another team and he's gone. They'll, they'll, they'll get yeah. the uh, And I think it'll be before the end of the season and after the trade deadline. So, so last thing that I'm going to ask you before we get to a couple of comments before I let you go is uh, he w- Kent Hughes was asked about the timeline uh, of this rebuild, mm-hmm. we'll call it, uh, mm-hmm. retool, whatever you want to use. It's all the same stuff in my mind. Um, he said there's no real timeline because he wants mm-hmm. to do it the right way. But you know, you've been you've been covering the team for a long time. Uh, you've seen some. You've seen a lot of different GMs. You know, at a certain point, the GM starts to feel the pressure and the heat mm-hmm. a little bit. I and I would imagine that he has a a long leash. But how long do you think that leash is? Well, that was talk about sort of a five year plan with any GM. It's usually five years and. After three years, you start seeing results, I think. And, you know, he's got two more years after that. He came in. You got to remember how bad this situation was when Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes came. They were left with a lot of bad contracts from the, Mark Berger and I stuck them with. So a lot of it is trying to clear up somebody else's mess. But they have, a, they have a plan in place. And a lot can change, right? If you get Connor Bedard, that's probably going to speed up your rebuilding process. Um, you know, if Kirby Doc develops quicker than maybe was expected that speeds up so there's so many factors involved but they have a plan they want to bring all these guys that are sort of 21 22 23 and bring as many of those guys as they can and along with the young draft picks are coming up have them develop together have them grow together on and off the ice and move forward so i think you're looking at three years before from the Canadian sample you hope you start seeing like three years like so two years from now you hope that they're in a position or they would hope they're in a position to, to compete for a playoff spot, be a legitimate chance of getting into the playoffs. And then after that year four is okay, let's win a round or two rounds. Yeah. In the playoffs. And then at year five, you want to be at least, if not a Stanley cup contender, at least close to being a team that can be a Stanley cup contender. So I think you're, it, it's you know, the, the old five year plan they talk about. It. I think you're looking at five years to find out, where this team's going to be. And they've made a lot of progress in one year. I mean, it was this week was a one year anniversary for Ken Hughes. He's done a lot. You think back yeah, to all this crazy. Stuff, it's he, crazy. To believe. He's done. I mean, and he could, you know, he could turn Ben Sherrod into Connor Bedard, <laughs> which would be, you know, that would be the, one of the trades of the century. If uh, the Panthers sink in the standings and the Canadians have their number one pick and the, the Panthers pick ends up winning the draft lottery and the Habs get it, that would be a heck of a trade, but he, he came in, in a really messy situation. Uh, he's handled everything, I think. So, I mean, I wrote my column the other day. Uh, you know, he's smart, he's confident, and he's honest. And those are three good attributes to have when you're a GM, and especially in a rebuilding process. I mean, he talked about, you know, bringing guys that are on their names, speculator being trading, and just telling, being honest with them, you know, I'll tell you what I can tell you, and I'll tell you what I can't tell you. 
yeah. too. So one of my friends said, well, what's that mean? I said, well, it means I can tell you that there's three teams interested in you, but I can't tell you who they are right now because, you know, or stuff like that. So his door is open. He's honest with people. Uh, he did the same thing last year with Sherrod. He was the same with Tor- um, uh, Toffoli. He, so it'll be the same moving forward. Um, I think the guys who might be traded know they might be traded. Um, and you know, he said Montembeau the other, he said at his news conference, Montembeau's not a guy he's trying to move. Mm. So that'll probably relieve some pressure off of uh, Montembeau. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens uh, at the trade deadline and, and moving forward to the draft in this offseason. Once, you know, Jonathan Drouin's contract's off the books, Dadenoff's contract's off the books, uh, Byron, even though he's been a long-term injured reserve, that contract's gone. There's, so he's going to have some money to spend. And it'll be interesting to see how he how he juggles that with the draft and everything else. You know, and, and speaking of uh, uh, contracts uh, coming off the books, this uh, comment comes in from Paul uh, just quickly right now. Uh, will injured players Kent Hughes wants to trade Drew Ant Gallagher? Question mark. Armia and Monahan be healthy enough to get traded? That's we don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, you now Gallagher's out for a little while longer. Monahan. Hughes said that he's close to returning. Uh, I mean, he's on long-term injury reserve, but that was retroactive quite a while ago. Uh, so he's close to coming back. Drewing, we're not sure. The thing with Drewing, like it seems to be, it seems to be injured so often, right? That's going to be a yeah. concern for a team picking him up. Although it is just until the end of the season, then the contract's gone. So it's hard to tell at this point. You know, will they be healthier? And, and as we mentioned before, guys have come back, played a couple of games, and got hurt again. So um, we'll see. It's like almost impossible to answer that question. But Monaghan looks like he's close to coming back, or at least that's what Hughes said. And he's the guy that they're hoping, you know, when they got him, they were hoping they'd be able to get a first-round pick in exchange for him at the deadline. And if he comes back and he plays for an extended period like he did, I think uh, that's still a possibility. Yeah, and and, it, and it's it's funny because it's it's just ironic is the, the juggling act that they have to do of, you know, the they're going to start protecting players from themselves – but I'm sure they want to see Monaghan back on the ice as soon as possible to uh, to make that happen. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see what we'll see what happens going forward. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy what a, what a difference a week can make for. Yeah, and, and the job of a GM in the NHL. I mean, it's 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 a lot going on, man. It's a- yeah, I, I'm, I'm you know, and, and it's funny because when it gets to the playoffs, and obviously the Canadians aren't going to make the playoffs, but you know, that's when. You know, GMs kind of just sit back and they're kind of a fan of a team at that point. Um, so I, I wonder. It's also, I, why, it's also why, you know, when Jeff Molson hired Gorton and Hughes and he said he realized that, you know, it's a two-man job. You know, yeah, you need at least yeah. two guys to be keeping an eye on everything here that's going on. And, that, and they got, you know, Gorton and Hughes work well together also. So those two guys are going to be busy. All right. Well, Stu, I'm going to leave you because uh, uh, we still got we still got football to get to. So go Bengals. And uh, thank you very much for joining us on this Friday evening, as you usually do. I really appreciate it. Oh, I love that sweater, too. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate day. it. Thank you. You as well. All right. Uh, it's Friday. You know what that means. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. It's also football with Matt O'Hare. Hooks a pass, wide open, chase, touchdown, Bengals. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Playground, which has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games. Daily promotions and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. 
All right, let's get to the man of the hour. Uh, he's back. It's been a while. Cash from Run My Bets. Uh, I got a boat. I run your bets. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, but I got a boat to pick with you. I got a boat to pick. What, what is this in our private chat here? First of all, the hat is just insult to injury. I'm, yeah. I'm disgusted right now. Um, I, I just don't even know where to start. In the chat, Bengals are taking a fat L this weekend. All right. Okay. So, you know what? I, I wanted to go in chronological order of the games, but I, I, I actually do have. A, a question that you would give a lot of insight uh, towards, and and I'm I'm interested to get to see your perspective on this. So I have a my, one of my best friends is a Buffalo Bills fan, diehard yep. Bills fans, just as much as I'm a diehard Bengals fan. And um, he said to me, everywhere I'm reading, the media, mainstream media, is all over the Bengals. Nobody's giving the Bills, nobody's picking the Bills. Yep. Um, but the line opened at I think it was minus four. And now it's minus five and a half. So my question to you is, what 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 is the Sharps' mindset right now? Yeah, so the line actually opened at a very few places. It opened very early at minus three. Uh, that was pushed to three and a half. And like in general, every other book opened up at three and a half and it sat there for about 30 minutes. It went to four and then the next morning it was out of the way at four and a half. And then through the week, it's been slowly hit, got to five and a half. And now I'm actually seeing sixes starting to pop. Uh, wow. that tells you all you need to know. The public isn't betting right now. The public is going to bet this game Sunday morning, uh, Sunday before 10 minutes before kickoff. The money that's come in so far, it's been all pro money. It's been sharp money. And the sharp money's come for the Bengals. The Bengals have been the pro side as far as I can tell. And as far as the line moves go, it's been 100% Buffalo Bills money. I see no, I see, obviously you're going to have pros on both sides, but in terms of if you're looking at like a ratio, I'm seeing, most of the professionals are going to have the bills. The only way I see this flipping is if the number hits six, maybe six and a half, then I can see some pros coming back and taking the Bengals. But as far as we're concerned at this moment in time, the bills are the pro side. Mm -hmm. So is, is that a matter of, you know, from the other side, because uh, we'll talk to the, the public side now, Yeah, you know, you know, everyone in the media is saying like, Oh, uh, you know, like, why, why are you counting out the Bengals? Is that because they see and then they take the Bengals? Is that because there's just such a wide margin in the line that they're like, "Well, oh, that's not a, it's going to be closer than five and a half. Might as well take the Bengals." Is that is that like kind of what's going on? Yeah, the like the Bengals are the public side, man. Every like a lot of my clients saying they really like the Bengals. A lot of people are expecting me to be on the Bengals. The Bengals plus five and a half. It looks like a slam dunk, right? These two teams just played mm -hmm. uh, less than three weeks ago. Obviously, when the Demar Hamlin incident happened, and the Bengals for the half of the quarter that was played they were dominating that game and i i feel like probably would have went on, went on to win that game and so a lot of people see this line come out now and they're they just don't understand it uh the Bengals, though they have a massive problem it's the o-line the o-line is falling apart they're missing kappa they're absolutely probably the best guy on their line and they're missing two guards like yep. it's 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 tragic it's been brutal for them and you really saw last week you know, the Bills and the Bengals last week both played tough games and probably were closer than they should have been. But the the truth about last week is the Bengals shouldn't be, even be here right now. The Bengals should have lost to the Ravens. You know, if you take away that fumble seven, that's 14-point swing in that Ravens game, the Bengals aren't here. And I just don't see the same team that I did three weeks ago, and I think it's got all to do with the offensive line. Joe Burrow can't draw back. He's getting pressured two seconds into his throw. He, it's it's all uh, winky dink stuff. It's all five yard passes. It's all little slants. It's all running back screens and stuff like that. And it's just not the same offense that it was five weeks ago. It's not dynamic enough. And if you look at if you look at the line, the Bills were favored by two and a half points literally three weeks ago in Cincinnati. 
So you can't like what, what were you going to make this line? I, I I said this line should be probably three and a half four. When it starts getting slammed up to five, and we're almost at six now, it's a bit of an indication. Like, look, this Bills team is for real. They had a slip up last week, but the Bengals are literally missing key pieces. So uh, now now we'll talk uh, we'll talk breaking it down. Uh, as yeah. as someone who's taking the Bills side, you are now the Bills fan that yeah. I'm going to be talking to here. Right. Um, so my case for the Bengals is this. So. You mentioned the O-line. I'm not going to dance around it. Out of 10, yeah. you know, one being not concerned at all, 10 yeah. being DEFCON 6 or whatever, Yeah, I- I'm at a 9. I, I really yeah. am. Truthfully, I am. However, what I will say is that, you know, I-, I understand that Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are different quarterbacks. Yeah. This Bills offensive line stinks, man. Like, it just does. It, it, it does, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's a line no one talks about it yeah. um, and the other side of it is that you know the Ravens for better or worse I, I think that was the best defense should the Bengals make a run to the Super Bowl yeah that's the best defense that they were going to face all playoffs their defense was incredible yeah exactly so that that was just my thought process there and just the Bills can't get after the passer with Von Miller out of their lineups. So yeah. there, there's my case as to why it's going to be close. Now, the neutral person in me will say, yeah, yeah the Bills will probably will probably win this game. Yeah. But the uh, – like, listen, there's no reason why I, I wouldn't take the five and a half. I watch this team week in, week out. And people sleep on that defense, and it's a really good defense. So uh, I don't know. I just – five and a half seems – it gets into disrespectful territory for me. Yeah, I um, I, I get what you're saying, and and you if if you look for both if if you want to bet make a bet on both teams, obviously it's not something you want to do, but if you can make a, a good case for both teams, I mean, look at look at yeah. the Buffalo side. Like, if you really break down this Buffalo offense, they have one elite wide receiver in Stefan Diggs. They don't have any good running backs. They have their O line is bottom ten, maybe not bottom ten, bottom thirteen, bottom fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they their wide receiver too, Gabriel Davis. He's had an, he had an incredible game last year against the Chiefs. I really think, think that elevated his stock. He's good. He's not great. You know they got one one elite wide receiver. Their tight end is pretty good. He's not elite. Like it's really Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs show. Like he, Stephon Diggs is great, but it's really the Josh Allen show. And Josh Allen yeah. just makes this offense look so much better than it is. It's just it's a really mediocre, really below average offense. You plug in an average quarterback in this offense, and this offense is probably anemic. Um, and the turnover margins have been horrendous lately for Josh Allen. It's a really big concern. And the Bengals actually intercept the ball at a really, really high rate. So that's one way that the Bengals can backdoor, not even backdoor, they can win this game outright. Like I said, you can make a case for both sides. I really believe that. But everything in this game is just pointing to pointing the bills to me, and the line move is really scary. Not to mention, um, the bills are a public underdog. And public underdogs, usually for me to define the team as a public team, they got to be taking over 70% of the bets. And the Bengals yeah. are taking over 70% of the bets right now. Wow. The Bengals are taking wow. all the public money. And public dogs, they're scary, man. That's one thing I've learned doing this. So for so many years as public underdogs, you want to take them. They look enticing. They look good. But they never cover. These guys cover at less than like a 25% clip. Um, the public underdog thing really, really scares me. And the fact that this line has been getting bet up and getting bet up and bet up, and it's still going. Like on, I just saw sixes started started popping before I got on this, and it, it's just wild. And obviously, I don't think it's going to get to seven. There's no way that happens. But I know what you mean in terms of disrespect. I feel like the number's getting a little bit inflated now. But if the Bills win this game, you got to imagine they're going to win by a touchdown, probably or five or six points. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I again, and I, I was talking this uh, the Bills fan that I was talking to. Shout out to Mason, who's going to be listening to this a little bit later. Uh, is that 
we both agree that I, I think there's more of a chance that, of course, that the Bills would run away with it than the Bengals would. Yeah. But we're we're pretty much on the same page in that we both expect this to be a 38 to 35 game one way yeah. or another. Uh, so that, that there's that. I mean, it's it's just it, it's kind of it's a head scratcher for me, and uh, and I get it. Like the offensive yeah. line is crazy, but again, I mean, uh, I know it's the Tennessee Titans. Sorry, Sammy and Yellow, but uh, I watched Burrow get sacked nine times and win a game. You know, yeah. so uh, that you call it luck. But uh, as I heard this on a on another program, uh, luck reeks of perspiration. So, uh, you know, the Bengals are a team that kind of make their own luck. Anyways, it's enough about that game. So uh, we're, we're going to get to our picks a little later. Let's go break down the other games. Uh, let's yep. start now back with the first game of the weekend. Uh, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Kansas City now nine and a half point favorites. Uh, I mean, listen, call me crazy. And I think this is crazy of me. I don't think Kansas City are as good as they're being billed to be. And I, I don't think they cover this nine and a half. I think Jacksonville can, I don't think Jacksonville is going to win. I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't sprinkle a little bit on the money line uh, because of what I saw at Arrowhead last year with the Bengals. But yeah. I, I don't think they're going to win, but just the chief, this Chiefs team with big spreads, they they don't cover these usually. And this is another one of those cases to me. Yeah, I um I, uh, I I like the Chiefs side. It's not the sharp side. The pros are all over the Jaguars. You're on the pro side. Um, and the pros, if this game hits 10, I don't think it will. But if it hits 10, it's going to be one of the bigger plays this weekend that the Sharks will be betting. Uh, I like Kansas City in this side. It's square and it's public, but uh, I'm with it, man. Andy Reid off a bye. The Chiefs losing to the Bengals last year in a game they probably shouldn't have. They're going to be back at Arrowhead. Um, I think this has blowout written all over it. To me, the Jaguars just won their Super Bowl. They just won a playoff game. They shouldn't have won. Down 27 nothing. They lost mm-hmm. the turnover margin by five. They come back and win that game. Uh, they went to the Waffle House after. Like they, they, They're on such a high. And like obviously, like you, you say, like oh, this is a bad spot. And Well, how can it be a bad spot? It's the playoffs. They're all, every team's motivated. It's not a great right. spot. Look what happened to Kansas City last year. They beat Buffalo in the game of the year, and then they went and lost to Cincinnati as an eight-point favorite right? the following week. So you can get caught in these spots, and I just think it's one of these spots for Jacksonville. Um, I think it gets ugly early, and I think it stays ugly. I like Kansas City first quarter, first half, full game. They dominate in the first game of the playoffs every year. It's the same story. Uh, like Travis Kelsey props in the playoffs, the number is inflated. It's going to be six and a half. You might even be able to get a seven, seven and a half. I'm taking it. I'm taking the over receptions, over receiving yards. He's the guy. Mahomes is going to be putting up passing yards, even when they're up 24 to nothing or if they're up 24-7 or whatever the score may be. Travis Kelsey, you can always count on this guy to get his receiving props done in the playoffs. I like the Chiefs. And like I said, it's square, but that's where my money is going to be on this game for sure. Well, you you that's music to my ears is player props. I'm, I love a good player prop bet. So I'm right there with you. Uh, okay, I'm just going to build a little bit of a case. I just want to plant a little seed of doubt. Yeah. I know you've been doing this for a long time, and I'm not going to, but I'm yeah. plant a little seed of doubt in your head. Now, Jacksonville, um, it's not – I wouldn't call – I think this is a stalemate when it comes to coaching, personally. Uh, yeah. You know, Doug Peterson has won his, has won a Super Bowl. Uh, Andy Reid, very uh, successful, has won uh, has won a Super Bowl as well. Yeah. Now, Doug Peterson is well aware of the fact that you know you give Patrick Mahomes the ball, he's going to make Mahomes things happen. I could see I could see a scenario where you know Jacksonville, if they get the running game going, and you know they they do exactly what the Ravens did to the Bengals last week. 
I think yeah. the Bengals heading into the fourth quarter had something like five possessions. Yeah. That's crazy. That's insanity. I could see a scenario where if Travis Etienne uh, gets going a little bit, that happens. And then, you know, you take the ball out of Mahomes' hands. They, there's nothing they could really do. He only has so much clock to work with. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to build a little case here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I, I just, I, I don't see it because we've already seen these two teams play this year. Um, the first time they played, I had Jacksonville plus 10, and I got lucky to cash that ticket, man. The Jaguars, they recovered two fumbles. They started the game with an onside kick that they recovered. Uh, there were th- and one there was an interception, too. So technically, if you really look at it, they won the turnover margin four to nothing, and they still barely covered the plus 10. They didn't even cover it. They pushed the spread. They, they lost by 10 on a last-second touchdown mm-hmm. by Jacksonville. Um, and I told myself, if these two teams play again, I'm going to be laying in Kansas City. Um, and an- like another thing, people are making correlations, and they're, they like to – draw this Jaguars team up this year to be the Bengals team of last year and they're no, not make no make no not. mistake about it Trevor Lawrence he's been good but he hasn't been Joe Burrow Joe Burrow has been way better and the wide receiving core is much better on the Bengals the defense last year in the playoffs of the Bengals was borderline elite as well the pass rush was there the Jaguars are a third of what the Bengals were last year I just don't see it I like the. I think we're getting a little bit of a discount on this spread I think it should be I'm gonna say 11 and a half maybe 12. Well, you're even swaying. You're even swaying me a little bit. I'll be honest. So, uh, <laughs> well, so there we you go. Play already, right? And like when you when you barely cover the spread yeah. on a backdoor touchdown, and you won the turnover margin four to nothing, like that just screams to me the wrong team covered the spread, or that push shouldn't have happened. That should have been a Kansas City blowout, you know. Yeah, and you know what the uh, the the case that I would build if if you were on the Jaguars would be that you know. The Chiefs, the reason why that you can make the argument, the reason why they don't cover these spreads during the regular season is because they're not showing all their cards. Yeah. It's the playoffs. Yeah. They got three games to get, they got three games to win it all. They're going to yeah. be showing some cards. So, yeah. And, and this, um, like the Jaguars, they're, they're super happy to be here. I'm, I, I swear to you, man, if, if you tell Trevor Lawrence he comes to the playoffs and wins a game and that was the season, they weren't, these guys aren't expecting to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City, like, that's all they care about. If Kansas City doesn't win the Super Bowl, it was a failed year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's that game. Let's move on to the night game. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think this is uh, your stance on Kansas City in this game is my stance on Philadelphia in this game. It's the New York Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. Eagles are seven and a half point favorites. I think this is a deflated line in terms of, you know, the price that you're getting on Philadelphia yeah. just because of how Daniel Jones looked it last is. week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, I mean, right. just, I, I just really think that, you know, the, it's going to, the clock's going to strike midnight on this Giants team is basically where I'm at. Yeah. I, uh, cause we're, we're in the divisional round. And there's only four games now. There's four games like this week. If there were 16 games on this slate, I wouldn't be betting this game, but I'm going to because mm-hmm. I'm going to get a lot of people asking me to do it. And truth be told, I, I kind of like the Giants. I thought the Giants would be the most public dog of the public dog of the week. They're actually not. It's the Bengals. Um, so that helps me a little bit. This, the action we're seeing on this game has been two way. It's been 50 50. The wise guys like the, the wise guys like the Giants and the wise guys like the Eagles. Here's the truth, though. This game, if Jalen Hurts never got injured at the end of the year and the, the Eagles played how they did and they, they only kept one loss, this game would be a 10 and a half, 11, maybe even a 12 point spread. Um, so you're definitely getting a discount on the Eagles this time around. But here's the thing that scares me we saw this Giants team play third stringers two weeks ago against this Eagles team. And that game was a lot closer than it should have been. They lost by, I think, eight points. I think they lost by one possession. They had nobody playing in that game. And the Eagles needed to win that game. The Eagles showed their cards. They really needed to win that game to lock down the first seed. This Eagles team, it's tough, man. And this is the whole thing about betting. You're betting on what you think is going to happen. The Eagles 
are we going to see the Eagles from week 11 or week 12 that were just dominating and steamrolling everybody? Or are we going to see yeah. the Eagles of the last few weeks that had, tr- had trouble against everybody? And everyone's making this game about Daniel Jones and about the Giants. I don't think it is. I think you're going to get a consistent, decent performance out of Daniel Jones. I don't think he's going to light them up. He's obviously against a way better defense this week. But I think this game is all about the Eagles. Are we going to see the Eagles come out and stop these guys? Or are we going to see the Eagles of the past few weeks where this is going to be a field goal game and they even have a chance of losing it? That's really the head-scratcher for me. I lean Giants. I'm going to be betting the Giants, not heavy. It's probably my my least favorite game of the week. I, I, I actually I love the matchup. I'm super excited to watch it. But in terms yeah. of betting, it's my least favorite game to bet on just because I don't know what I'm betting on when it comes to Philadelphia. Yeah, that's fair because it, it's crazy because I remember I'm like now that you're mentioning that I'm like recalling some of the conversations we've had, you know, in weeks past and we said, oh, this is a Philly smash spot. And, you know, we both did it. We both smashed yeah. Philly and then they they come out there and they they lay an egg on the field and they, yeah. you know they're they're lucky to escape with a three point victory against yeah. God knows who so you know you know it, it's interesting it's just to me when it comes to the NFL playoffs I, I always say this that the cream always rises to the top because yeah. this is there's no more playing games of of oh we're gonna hide our cards we're not gonna show them much you know this is the third matchup between these two teams and they're they're laying it all on the table. You know, Nick Sirianni yep. is going to pull out all the stops. That run game is going to be, you're going to see, I think we're going to see crazy gadget run plays. Uh, don't think Jalen Hurts will be too, too involved. That'll be a good indicator of how injured he is. Actually. Yeah, I don't think he's doing uh, too well, man. I think he's hurt. He said, I heard, I read something last week that he was really hurting. I, yeah. uh, sorry to cut you off, but Jalen Hurts, no, man, that, for those listening, watch out on his props because I think people are going to be betting him over on all kinds of stuff because they're excited. It's his first playoff game since last year and all this stuff. Watch out for Jalen props. I don't think he's doing too well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be 100%. He, I think he'll probably be better next week. But from what I've read this week, it's not looking great. Obviously, he's going to play. I'm not saying he's not going to play. But I'm reading that this dude is hurting bad, and it's affecting his performance. And if they didn't absolutely need to beat the Giants two weeks ago, he wouldn't have played last week. He wouldn't have played. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, you want to talk player props for that game just real quick? How about this? Miles Sanders anytime, plus 175. Nice break. Throw down the hammer. I like it. I throw down the it. hammer. I like it. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go last game of the slate. Uh, yeah. The team you have crowned or coined the best team in the NFL for weeks now. Yeah. I've been, you know, I've been on that train with you as a, as a Bengals fan, diehard, you know, I've been right there with you. It's the Dallas Cowboys at the so-called best team, uh, San Francisco 49ers, San Francisco are four point favorites. Now, this is a very interesting matchup to me. Yeah. This is super, super interesting. It's the game of the week for sure. Yeah, 100%. And it's for two reasons. The biggest reason for me is we know what we're going to get out of San Francisco. They are so versatile. They can beat you in any way possible. Um, This is the interesting thing for me is just because of the juxtaposition of the past two weeks of the Dallas Cowboys season. Last year, uh, sorry, last week against the Bucs, Dak Prescott goes out and plays arguably the best game of his career. Yeah. The week before that, he he played arguably the worst game of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Which Dak Prescott are we getting? Yeah, and that has a lot to do with how this game's going to go. Um, I, 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 if if he plays great and he's excellent, and and the Cowboys play really well, I don't even know if that's going to be enough for them to win. And if they don't play at that level, then I, I just don't think they have any chance to win. With mm-hmm. all that being said, uh, the number's low, and the number really scares me. Uh, I'll I'll make a reference to a pick that we both liked. I think this is like four or five weeks ago. The, the Titans were playing against the Eagles. They were going to Philly. Yep. 
Um, and the and the line just didn't make any sense to me. I think it was Titans plus five and a half. And I said I make this game three closer to three and a half. And I'm not two points off. My power ratings aren't aren't that off. Like uh, I've been doing this for a while. I'm this number really surprised me. And it's us against the boogies at the end of the day, right? And these guys aren't giving us free money. And when a line like that is posted, look what happened. The Eagles went and won by thirty points, not by thirty, but they won by over twenty. Um, yeah. This line, I, I had this number. I had this game at five and a half at six. It opened up four and a half, and it immediately got bed down to three and a half, and that really scared me. It's back up to four, which made me feel a little bit better, just because I have so many San Francisco futures, and I really need San Francisco to make the Super Bowl <laughs> to turn a profit. Like I've I've got almost five figures on San Francisco futures, making the Super Bowl right. so important to me because if they do, then I can just hedge my position, right? I can take whoever's in the, exactly. in the Super Bowl against them, and guarantee myself a profit. But before that point, my money is just really sitting there in a loop, and. It scares me knowing that the Sharps love the Cowboys. The Sharp side is by no means the San Francisco side. It is the Cowboys side. Um, the Sharps, the pros love this game. They've been betting the number down. Um, a lot of pros are saying this game should be at three. I don't know where they got that from. That's three points off where I have it. But uh, Dallas looks great against Tampa Bay. But here's the thing. Tampa Bay, I, I was on Tampa Bay. I fell for Tampa Bay. I took them plus yeah, three. Yeah, I was there with you. Of the week. Um, and I fell short. It was a bad pick. It was a bad bet. I regret it. But, hey, what can you do? On to the next week, right? Um, Tampa Bay was a trash team. They were eight and nine. They were garbage. They they didn't beat anybody. They lost games they shouldn't have lost. They played Arizona's third string team, and it took overtime to beat them in a game they came back from double digits. You know, San Francisco, that same Arizona team. San Francisco won by over thirty points. Like that Bucks team is was was no contender. That Bucks team was not the same team that any that anybody has seen in the last two years. And the Cowboys exposed that they really did what they should have. So maybe we're seeing a little bit of overhype on the Cowboys. Um, as far as this game goes, I read uh, David Lombardi is a reporter for the San Francisco 49ers, and he's predicting that this game is going to be the most watched, basically the biggest game in NFL history, yeah. minus Super Bowls. Um, and I can totally see it. I think this game has the, the stars aligned for this matchup. You got the Cowboys, one of the biggest fan bases, if not the biggest fan base in the NFL, against the 49ers, the top five fan base in the NFL. Sunday Night Football, I think this is going to be a barn burner. I think it's going to be great. I'm super excited to watch. As far as the spread goes, Lean San Francisco, I'm not going to slam it. I'm not going to hammer it. If this game was six, as weird as this is to say, how am I going to say I'm not going to bet it at three and a half, but I would bet it at six? Right. It's just the line scares the shit out of me, and that's the truth. I, I'm not going to slam this game. Lean San Francisco, three and a half. I like the under. Probably not going to bet too heavy on this game. Maybe I'll bet a live opportunity if the Cowboys take a lead. But uh, super exciting game of the week. When the Bills are playing the Bengals, and that's not the game of the week, you got to know this, yeah. this is a big game. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's funny because I was looking down the list and you know, I, you know, you know how it is as a fan, you're hyper, hyper focused on your team, you kind of block out everything else. And then, you know, it's just today when I was like prepping for this segment, I'm like looking down the, the board and I go, shit, man, the, the 49ers are playing the Cowboys. It's gonna be a fantastic game. Hopefully the Bengals could win so I can enjoy it without, yeah. one, without, you know, crying my, myself to sleep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, I, so I, you know, I like what you said that if, if Dallas jumps out to a lead, you know, you, you grab the live line, but you know, I do see, uh, to me, it's just, you know, Dallas, I think this is the one year where we could say this is a really good team. Yeah. Like this is a this is a very very good team. They're not as good on paper as the 49ers, but to me it's I I think the plus the plus uh 175 is that that I've been seeing is pretty good on the money line I'm talking about. Uh yeah. it's just a good value play, you know? Like yeah. from just a, if you have a couple extra bucks to sprinkle on it, you, you know, why not? Because you yeah. know any given Sunday and all that jazz. 
but yeah yeah i'm with you man. I, yeah. i'm with you i mean like, ultimately 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 though i agree with you i mean i just think the 49ers are they you know i say it as a i say it all the time you know like I, i'm a i'm a Bengals fan through and through i believe we're going to the super bowl i believe we're going to win the super bowl but man oh man if the Bengals play if the Bengals play the, the 49ers that that matchup yeah. scares the shit out of me and really yeah. not many things not many things in the NFL you know after especially after last season how the Bengals played and off that run you know, not many things scare me but that that matchup against the 49ers scares the shit out of me and it's it should scare it should scare anyone yeah yeah I'm with you man and I'm t- I'm totally with you and I know how you feel cuz this Cowboys game is quite scary for me at the end of the day I just need the San Francisco 49ers to reach the Super Bowl I will lock in a profit and reaching the Super Bowl means winning these next two games. Well, this Cowboys game to me, to me, it's it's the NFC championship. I don't yeah, think the 49ers are going to lose to the Eagles. I would much rather play the Eagles this week than the 49 than the Cowboys. The Cowboys the Cowboys have studs everywhere. They got more pro bowlers than the 49ers. Yeah. And that's 49ers strength. They got so much star power. Well, the Cowboys have a lot of star power too, you know. Um, one thing I'm going to speak about, though, is the massive rest advantage that the 49ers got in this game. The Cowboys finished their game Monday at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock Eastern. The 49ers knew they punched their ticket through to the divisional round at about uh, 7 o'clock Eastern on on Saturday. That's a two-and-a-half-day gap. That's a two-and-a-half-day difference. That's more time yeah. to rest, more time to prepare. And the thing is, the 49ers are the most physical team in the entire NFL. I think if the Cowboys aren't fully recovered and aren't ready to go, it can strike. It can spell trouble for them. They're lucky that this game was on Sunday, not Saturday. I don't think the NFL would have done that to them. But with that being said, this game can go either way for me. I'm not super, super confident. I think the 49ers got a severe, significant advantage defensively, and they got a significant rest advantage, and we're going to see what's ha- what happens. All right, Cash, uh, stick with me right now because uh, it's time to make our uh, viewers and listeners some money. Sounds good. It's time for Sick Picks. Brought to you by Betway. Sick Picks is brought to you by Betway. Must be 19 years older or older to play. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, we're going to do it how we normally do it. One pick me. One pick me. Uh, I'm going to let you take the lead right now. Um, first pick, I'll go uh, Giants plus seven and a half. And light, guys. Don't slam this. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go uh, my first pick. This to me... Listen, it's a risk only because of the offensive line of the Bengals. Yeah. But the Cincinnati Buffalo over 49. To me, it's shocking that that this game is not in the 50s. Uh, you know, it's just two dynamic offenses. Yeah. I understand the concerns with the offensive line. Bengals defense is elite, but sometimes, you know, like Buffalo had the number one ranked defense or close to it last year. And yeah. look what's look what the what Kansas City did to them. So to me, I think this game's going over. Yeah, I, I can't argue on, argue on that. I'd probably lean over. One other real quick, one prop to look at for this game. All playoff games, Josh Allen rushes really, really well. He's rushing prop. It's going to be a little bit inflated. I would take it. You're probably going to get it over 46 and a half rushing yards. Take it. He's going to catch that. There you go. Uh, so uh, you go ahead for uh, your second pick. Uh, second pick again. We'll go like least confidence to full confidence. Uh, take right. take San Francisco on, on the money line. Minus 200. You're laying a nice price. Don't bet too much on it. Uh, I don't like drinking that much juice. Uh, look for a look. We'll we'll call the bet San Francisco money line slash San Francisco live bet. Look for a live opportunity anytime in the game that they go down. Take them on the money line. So uh, this is the this is something that I like. Uh, I like that pick. Um, I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna stick with it because I want to get the exact number. I'm just in the middle of looking it up. Um, but uh, I'm gonna go with you, you know you swayed me. Uh, 
you swayed me great uh like you did when uh, all those weeks ago and uh, i didn't message you but i was thinking about you and i wanted to get you on the next week but you were busy you were on vacation and i hope you enjoyed that vacation because you made me back zach wilson and i'll never forget yeah. you for that <laughs> <laughs> so uh but you did sway me on this one and uh I, i'm gonna end up taking the kansas city minus nine as my uh my second uh i like it man i love it i'm glad you're taking that yeah uh go ahead with your third yeah i'll take kansas city and like and like you said uh i'm i'm telling i'm 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 gonna call a spade a spade this pro side are the jaguars i just think the pros and the sharps get carried away sometimes with these big dogs and look look at the week jacksonville just had look at the game they just played and that they just barely won and you got kansas city and andy reed sitting there i i just they're gonna blow these boys out of the water and it's square, and it's 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 a public take, and that's if you speak to the guy at the end of the bar, that he's going to say the same thing. But I really believe that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, and uh, so for my third, I'm going to go with. I just wanted to be sure and get the exact number. It went up by one from last week, but again, I just really listen with the way this Bengals offense is going. It, it's like you said, it's quick passes, hitches, whatnot. I hmm. think this is. Uh, I, I gave this pick out last week. I'm going to give it out again this week. It's, a one, it's one catch higher, but I'm going to go Jamar Chase over seven and a half catches. Uh, it's just, you, I think, you know, he had catches last week in the first half. You know, yeah. it, it was just, it was crazy. It was just, you know, a couple yard swings. They do it all the time. They do it all the time, you know, on a third and 10, just it's not even a wide receiver screen. They just throw it parallel to the line of scrimmage and yeah. say, go beat that first guy and pick up the 10 yards. And they always do it. So uh, I'm going to take Jamar Chase over seven and a half uh, catches. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue that. And, and when you're betting on the number one option and the guy that's great with the ball in his hands, you're going to get there. It's, it's a super square pick, but I, I love it. I'm probably going to do the same thing and bet it. Uh, that's what happens in the playoffs, man. you got to find spots. And whether it's it may not be the sharpest pick in the world, but they put the ball in his hands a lot. And if they're trailing at any point in this game, he's going to be seeing the ball twice as much. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he reaches double-digit receptions. Um, for my pick, I'll go with Travis Kelsey. Uh, we'll do two picks in one on this one, his receiving yards and his receptions. You can take either one because I know they're not available on all books. Uh, you'll usually be able to get one or the other. If you can get both, take them both. I feel equally as strongly about both of them. He's going to go for a big game tomorrow. He does all the play, every playoffs. He always has big games. He's, he's huge for them. Yeah, not only that, but I'm like the the Jaguars are a very very they're not the worst, but yeah. they're a very weak team against tight ends. Uh, very one hundred percent. I think it's like twenty nine. They're, they're one of the worst. Yeah. Exactly, they're one of the worst against tight ends. So I yeah. love that pick. I might even I might even go crazy and do uh, uh, Travis Kelsey two or more touchdowns if I'm, yeah. if I'm really feeling wild. So um, let's uh, let's take a look at my a fourth pick here. I'm gonna go with. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. Uh, I'm going to go on the record and I'm going to say, uh, I'm not going to give it out because again, I would never give out something that, you know, I'm doing on a whim. I always like to yeah. be logical in what I give out. Uh, but Bengals plus five and a half. I just think the line is too much. I, I think that, you know, the Bengals have a chance, even if they go down, you know, 10 points at one point, the Bills are going to play prevent defense. They're going to go down the field. They're going to score a touchdown, and then that's going to be the end of the game. They're going to win. They're going to lose by three, even if it ends yeah. up happening that way. So, uh, I just, I just think it's too big of a number. It's too awkward of a number. So, take the Bengals uh, plus five and a half. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go heads up with you. My favorite play of the week. Uh, this is going to be a, this is a play I told my clients to hammer. I'm going to be betting it. I've been betting it steadily throughout the week, and it's the Bills uh, minus five, minus five and a half. Try and get it before six. If the number hits six, I still like it, but I like it half as much. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, on the Bills five and a half. One thing you I I'm that one thing that worries me about this game is and it should worry you about any NFL game. Like never bet way too much on one game. There's so much variance, so much randomness in the NFL. Yeah. The Bills, the Bills turn the ball over at an insane rate. And, and the Bengals, their last like six playoff games, they've uh, sorry, not their last six, their last four playoff games. I think they've got plus twelve turnover margin. It's absolutely yeah, absurd. it's 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 at, it's, at, it's at eleven. It's at eleven. Yeah, plus, yeah, yeah so you plus right. eleven in four games. That's absolutely stupid. Um the way these team two teams turn the ball over, if they were to continue what they do, it's going to be a three to one or a four to one turnover margin for the Bengals. If that does happen, the Bills will not win. They will not cover the game. We got to hope that doesn't happen. But that is the only way I see them losing this game and not covering the spread. So, uh, for my last pick, uh, this is it's a tough one because you know I don't uh, like you said you know off the because uh, you went least amount of confidence to yeah. full confidence i went the opposite way so it, it's just a little weird to me so i'm gonna pull an audible here and i'm gonna go with something off the board uh that i didn't even write down yeah. i'm gonna say from on the from the kansas city game i i know i said i would go travis kelsey and you know maybe i'll sprinkle a little bit on him for two or more but i really like uh justin watson touchdown i love the number it's at it's priced at plus 300 you know, I this guy catches a bomb every single yeah. game. It seems like Marquez Valdez Scant- Scantling is not that guy anymore, no. and it's just all Justin Watson. They always seem to find him deep open down the field, and uh, yeah, so just plus 300. You know, you're hoping for a 30 yard bomb, that's what it's going to come on, yeah. But uh, I, I like the number it's priced at, I think there's a lot of value in there. Yeah, I uh, I, I, I can't argue. I think the value's there. And he, he, he's, he's a sneaky reception guy. He gets a lot of catches, a lot of key catches in the red zone as well. He's one of their guys. Um, mm. My, I'll match you with a prop. It's probably my favorite set of props this entire week. My favorite uh, props that I will send out these playoffs. I absolutely slaughtered them last week. This is Daniel Jones rushing yards, Daniel Jones uh, mm-hmm. um, pa- completions, and Daniel Jones pass attempts. Um, I like passing yards as well. Anything related to Daniel Jones throwing the ball. He's been throwing it excellent these last few weeks. He's hitting over 70% completion rate. Brian Dayball, coach of the year, has unlocked this guy. He's looking like a mini version of Josh Allen. He's running the ball well. He's throwing the ball well. He's leading this team well. Uh, He's great in the red zone. If they're going to be trailing, they're playing against a better team. If they're going to be trailing at all this game, that prop is going to hit with ease. They led for almost the entire game against the Vikings, and I still cash every single one of those props. I'm going to be doing the same this week. My clients are going to be receiving a play on every single one of those bets. Daniel Jones, uh, uh, Daniel Jones completions, Daniel Jones uh, passing yards, Daniel Jones rushing yards, and Daniel Jones passing attempts. All of that stuff I will be betting. Yeah, I just I actually just wrote that down on my paper uh, as a reminder because I'm very forgetful. So I just wanted yeah. to remember what you said. Um, Cash, I just want to tell you before I let you go. Uh, this is if you had to guess, because I'm assuming you were not watching from the beginning of this podcast. Uh, if you had to guess who is on the back of this jersey, who would it be? Um, I would like to say I hope I'm, I'm assuming Burrow. That is incorrect. That is number two, Evan McPherson, the kicker. Oh my god. Uh, I told this I told this story. Basically, what happened was after last year's game against the Titans, he kicked like four or five field goals to win and yeah. they basically won the game because of him. And so he was I like, oh, we're going to the next game. round. Yeah. Well, that that was so yeah, that was that was against the I believe that was against the Chiefs that he said that. But anyways, yeah. uh anyways, I said dur- during the game. Because I thought the Bengals were going to lose. I said, if the Bengals are going to win this game, I'm buying an Evan McPherson jersey. It's going to happen. And I'm a man of my word because people were tweeting at me, where's the jersey? So I, pre- yeah. I tweeted a, a screenshot of the receipt. So uh, just all that to say is 
after the Sam Hubbard 98-yard return touchdown, right off the bat, I just bought the jersey right there. I love Sam Hubbard. He's one of my favorite Bengals players. He's uh, awesome. Just a great player. He, he's yeah. just an underrated guy. Just a football guy, you know? Yeah, So uh, awesome. I bought the jersey. All that to say, I hope uh, I hope the next time we chat, uh, I'll be wearing yeah. that jersey, that Sam Hubbard jersey with a purpose. We'll see, man. We'll see. Good luck, man. Good luck to both of us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good luck to both of us. Only one of us could win, but hey, that's the way it goes. So, hey, look, I'll, I'll, I'll make you a handshake, man. You can cash the Bengals if you let me win the Niners. We'll be all good. We'll be good to go. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Two Super Bowls in a row. Yeah, Two yeah. Super Bowls in a row. I'm going to lose. That's tough. Let's see. All right, man. Anyways, it won't be worse than those Buffalo Bills. Three. That's three in a row or four in a row, was it? Yeah, at four anyways. in a row. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, anyways, uh, cash, enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, try not to pull too much hair out of your head uh, this weekend uh, watching football. You too, man. Enjoy the games. Have a good weekend. All right. Uh, so that just about does it here on the Sick Podcast. Thank you much. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, please do so on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Follow us on every platform. It's totally free. We really appreciate it. Leave us a five star rating. Give us a thumbs up. Hit the like. Hit the retweet. Do it all. Uh, it's all very much appreciated uh, by all of us at the Sick Team. So thank you very much for listening. Go Bengals. Hootay. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.